Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Hmm. You said Chris and Jen were here. I don't see them. Oh, there you are. Welcome, Chris and Jen. Jen's here for the first time with her, her child. It's also their anniversary today. Is that correct? All right. Congratulations. Well, welcome one and all. We're glad that you are here. So this morning we'll be doing a little bit different. We'll be out of First John. We'll be back in First John next week, but just want to do a Christmas message with you this morning. Titled this message, Jesus, the Greatest Gift of All. You'll be able to follow along with the outline inside of the bulletin, left side. You know, this time of year is a gift-buying frenzy, right? It is a gift-buying frenzy. It is out of control, really. The National Retail Federation says that, these are their stats, 20 from 20 upwards to 40% of retail sales occur at this time of the year. So what that means is some retailers actually stay in business and, and barely get by the rest of the 10, 11 months, and they make the bulk of their income at this time of the year. And it's evident because everywhere you go, the parking lots are jam-packed, right? I mean, we drove down to Chick-fil-A to get a chicken sandwich the other day, and I could not find a parking space. Not because Chick-fil-A was full. Well, it was full because it always is. It's like, I'm, like I own a Chick-fil-A or something, you know, like I'm making a promotion for Chick-fil-A, but I'm not. But, you know, there's a Best Buy in there and another outdoor store and everything else. You could not find a parking place. Literally, people were just sitting in their cars and just waiting for someone to come out. And then, you know, that you follow them, right? You try not to hit them, but you follow them to their car. And then you tell the other cars, this one's mine. I, this is my person. But it's crazy. It's all part of the festive nature of Christmas, isn't it? But I was, it, you know, that made me think about gifts. And, of course, to think about the greatest gift of all, which is Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to consider four reasons with you. Just four. There are more. Here's the four I came up with for why Jesus really is the greatest gift of all. Why do we say that? Why do I believe that? And why do you probably believe that as well? And we're doing that so that we would truly embrace, appreciate, honor, and celebrate Jesus now, at this time of year, and beyond that, forevermore, forevermore, as the greatest gift of all. So we're going to look at four reasons. The gift of Jesus is passionate. The gift of Jesus is priceless. The gift of Jesus is permanent. And the gift of Jesus is perfect. And these are all reasons, in my estimation, that make the gift of Jesus the absolute greatest gift of all. Looking at the first reason, I believe you can attribute the word passionate, passionate to the gift of Jesus. Let me, let me explain that. The word passionate can be related to strong or intense feelings, especially of love, especially of love. Now, let me share a, a verse from the Bible with you that you are likely very familiar with, but I just, I just want to warn you, there is a danger in familiarity. There's a danger in familiarity that you hear it or you see it over and over again, you begin to not be awed by it, not be moved by it, 
not be overwhelmed by it as you truly should each and every time you see this or hear this or read this, right? That's the danger of familiarity. And we got to discipline ourselves to come back and recognize it as if we're, we're seeing it and hearing it for the first time and, and capture all of that reality in our hearts. John 3.16, right? You know the passage. Many know the passage. It goes like this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Another translation puts it this way, the first part of that verse. God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son. What Holy Scripture, beloved, or the the Bible tells us is that God the Father sent His one and only Son, Jesus, into this world because of His amazing love for the world of humanity, because of His intense and incomprehensible passion for sinful human beings. His passion led to giving the world the greatest present they could or would ever receive. The writer of John 3.16 also wrote these words in another letter called 1 John. And in chapter 4, verse 9, here's what he said. This is how God showed his love among us. This is how he did it. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. It is the love of God the Father that was behind his decision to send Jesus, his son, into this broken world To save sinners. And Jesus, having already come and accomplished that goal, is what makes the reality of God's amazing love undeniable and overwhelmingly obvious to every single person who has truly understood and personally embraced the greatest gift of all, God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Now, my experience has been, and I trust it has been yours as well, that the gifts that I have deeply, truly appreciated in my life, are the ones or the ones that have meant the, the most to me, had the greatest impact on me, are those that were given to me out of love. Can you relate to that? Out of love. By that I mean gifts that I, have, I receive because 
the giver wanted nothing more than to demonstrate in some visible and tangible way how much they care for and love me. Now listen, this is important. Jesus was not a gift given out of some type of obligation. For God was under no obligation. Okay? No obligation whatsoever to do what He did in sending His only Son to die on behalf of sinners so that they might be saved. I say that because it seems to me that much of the gift-giving that, that takes place, especially at this time of the year, is based more on obligation than it is love. For example, someone might, they might think this, you know, so-and-so is going to get me a gift, so I believe it is my duty or responsibility to to get them a gift in return. Or, I know this person is expecting a gift from me and I will feel guilty if I do not meet that obligation. Or, I drew their name for Christmas and now I have to try to figure out what to get this person. <laughs> Can any of you relate to any of that? I know you probably heard somebody else say something like that. You've never said anything like that. But I'm just saying, you know what I'm talking about, right? God didn't think, beloved. God didn't think or feel any of those things. When he lovingly and willingly gifted us with his son, Jesus Christ. The gift of Jesus was and is the very visible, tangible, and undeniable evidence of how much God the Father truly, deeply, and passionately cares for and loves people broken, messed up, and sinful people. Just like us. Just like us. There is no other gift, beloved, that has had more of an impact on my life or countless others' lives or has meant more to me than the gift of Jesus Christ since I know that Jesus was given because of God's amazing and redeeming love for me. A sinner who doesn't deserve his love and never will. But I am more than happy, more than happy to fully accept and experience his love that is found in the gracious and sacrificial gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. Beloved, the gift of Jesus is a gift loaded 
with divine passion, saturated and overflowing with the perfect love of God. And that is just one reason that it is the greatest gift of all. So the gift of Jesus is passionate, beloved. The gift of Jesus is also priceless. Priceless. That's the second point on the outline. Now, priceless, you probably know what it means, but I'll define it anyway. Priceless means worth more than can be calculated in terms of money. Impossible to put value on. Impossible to put value on. Let me ask you parents something. Is there any dollar amount that you believe would accurately represent the value of your children? Yes? Okay. There's one yes. I wasn't expecting that. So I'm not sure how to respond to that. I was hoping for a resounding, no, of course not, Jeremy, no. I mean, any parent in their right mind would say no, right? (laughs) I mean, our, our children, beloved, in all seriousness, our children are priceless to us, are they not? Priceless. You wouldn't trade them for anything, right? I mean, I know on certain days, I get it. But overall, no. No, nothing. You wouldn't trade them. Their value, their value is incalculable. Even the honorary ones. Their value is incalculable. Now, consider again these words from the Bible. Consider them again. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Beloved, if our children are priceless, and they are, then how much more is the perfect and sinless Son of God? God, very God, wrapped in human flesh, according to John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14. God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Listen, the Father, out of love, gave His Son, His one and only Son, His beloved Son, that He, Jesus, might come and die on a cruel and shameful cross as a substitute for sinners so that any sinner who puts their entire trust and hope in Jesus would be forgiven of their sins, made right with God, and have eternal life with Him. You cannot calculate God's greatest gift 
to the world in terms of any amount of money. You cannot possibly put any human value on this gift. For the gift of God is His very Son. Jesus Christ. Therefore, the gift is absolutely priceless. The Apostle Paul said this in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 32. These words, He, God, who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Writing to Christians in Rome, Paul's point is this. Since He, God, did not withhold His Son, but instead He willingly and lovingly gave Him up for us, then you can rest assured that He will never withhold any other thing that the Christian needs that is without a doubt, beloved, immeasurably less in value than His precious Son. For nothing could ever be of greater worth, nothing, than Jesus Christ. During this time of year, people will receive gifts varying from inexpensive to extremely expensive. But no one has or ever will Receive a gift of more value than the priceless gift of God's own Son, Jesus Christ. This is just another reason why Jesus is the greatest gift of all. Beloved, the gift of Jesus is passionate, filled with God's love. The gift of Jesus is priceless. And the gift of Jesus, number three, is permanent. It is permanent. By that I mean everlasting, unchanging. Everlasting, unchanging. So again, I want to look at a verse that maybe you've heard, maybe you're very familiar with in the Bible. It's Romans 6.23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. There the Apostle Paul writes these words to the Christians in Rome. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now there is much we could talk about in regard to this verse. But this morning I just want to draw out a few things from it that I believe relate to the point that the gift of Jesus is permanent. But first, you may not know this, so you need to know that earlier in the book of Romans, that this book I just read, chapter 6, verse 23, that text from, earlier in the book, in chapter 3, we are taught in the Word of God, in the Bible, that every human being is a sinner. Every human being, and consequently, all human beings sin. All have rebelled against God in a variety 
of different ways. And according to this verse in chapter 6, the wages of our sin, or what we have earned, rightly earned, because of our sin, is death. And this death, Paul refers to, is more, beloved, than just someone passing away. It includes that, but it's more. As we know from other places in Scripture, it also includes the everlasting separation of the deceased sinner from God, his creator, in a place called hell or the lake of fire, referred to as the second death in chapter 20 of the last book of the Bible called Revelation. That's what the sinner has earned. That's what I have earned. Now in contrast to that awful and horrifying outcome, there is another option. I'm so glad that Romans 6.23 didn't end after just death, for the wages of sin is death, period. There is another option. It is the free gift of God, something we have no way of earning, which is eternal life with God. This eternal life that God graciously gives is a life, beloved. Now listen, this is the kind of life it is. It is a life that has permanently been reconciled to God and is forever free from his condemnation. Did you hear me? Forever free from his condemnation and his wrath. It is a life of true hope, peace, and real confidence. It is a life anchored in and entitled to the many blessings and promises of God that are found in his word, the Bible. It is a life, beloved, that is permanently united to God. It is the best life that any human being can truly have. It is the abundant life that Jesus promised in John chapter 10, verse 10. And as good as it sounds, it gets even better because this life has no expiration date. It is eternal. It will never come to an end. It is permanent. But notice something with me in the text, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. But the free gift of God, it is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Beloved, that's an important statement. Sometimes missed. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. This eternal life that I have just described, and all I'm describing is what the Bible describes about this eternal life. This eternal life does not exist outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? It does not exist outside of the person of Jesus Christ. It is directly tied to the person 
of Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ that someone can experience this eternal life according to the word of God. And oh, by the way, Jesus just happens to be the one who is eternal himself and unchangeable. As we read in Hebrews 13, 8, he remains exactly the same yesterday and today and forevermore. Boy, that's good to know. If this eternal gift is a tie to someone who is not eternal or who changes from one season to the next, I can't rely on it. But this eternal gift is tied to the eternal one. God's gift of Jesus, beloved, is ultimately, it is ultimately the gift of eternal life for every sinner. For every sinner who places their trust for their salvation solely in him and his accomplishments. What he alone did to save condemned sinners. So let me ask you something. Have you been out buying a gift and as the retail clerk is ringing it up, they start in with their extended warranty pitch? Any of you have experienced that? You know, they say, Hey, listen, for a little extra money, $19.95, $29.95, $39.95, of course, it depends on the item and how expensive it is, for a little extra money, we can add in a one or a two or a three additional year to the manufacturer's miserable warranty. <laughs> you know, the pathetic one or two year, sometimes even 90 days. I'm like, I spent this much on this thing and I get 90 days a year? I mean, this dri- personally, this drives me crazy because I think... The manufacturers themselves should stand behind their products a little bit longer than that. Think about it. I mean, do I really have to spend that much money on the same product every year or two? Is that your expectation? Yes. Some say that the manufacturers build right into their product something called planned obsolescence. Planned obsolescence. Now, I found this quote online regarding planned obsolescence. I thought you would enjoy this. It is the process of a product becoming obsolete and or non-functional after a certain period or amount of use in a way that is planned or designed by the manufacturer. Planned obsolescence has potential benefits for a producer because the product fails and the consumer is under pressure to purchase again. For an industry, planned obsolescence stimulates demand by encouraging purchasers to buy again sooner if they still want a functioning product. Built-in obsolescence is in many different products, from vehicles to light bulbs, from buildings to software. You know, you've probably heard that phrase, right? They don't build them like they used to. I think there is truth to that. But the reality is that No gift you buy or receive will ever be permanent. No matter how good they built it, it will not be permanent. Some will last longer than others, but all will eventually fail or break down or cease to be relevant. But that is not the case with the gift of Jesus and the eternal life that is found 
in him. You don't need an extended warranty with Jesus. You don't need to worry about future functionality. And you don't need to be concerned that he will ever become obsolete or out of date. The gift of Jesus and the eternal life found in him is utterly, beloved, permanent. And that is just one more reason that he is unquestionably the greatest gift of all. Finally, the gift of Jesus is passionate. The gift of Jesus is priceless. The gift of Jesus is permanent. Last but not least, the gift of Jesus is perfect. Perfect. One of the challenges common to gift givers, especially during the Christmas season, one of the things that makes them, I believe, so hostile, so desperate, especially as the days draw close, is the burden of trying to find the so-called perfect gift. You know what I'm talking about? For the loved ones on their list? We often struggle to, to figure out exactly what the people on our list really need or really want, or both even. Hey, that would be great, something they really need and really want. And then if we do come to some conclusion, the question that might follow is, can we actually afford this thing? And answering no to that question might lead you to buying something that is, well, not exactly the perfect gift. I'm just trying to prepare you, baby. That's all I'm saying. I thought I would do it in a very safe way with witnesses and some distance. But listen, beloved, the gift giver, the gift giver that gave us Jesus Christ is none other than God the Father. Okay, so what? Here's, here's so what? Unlike us, God knows exactly and with perfect clarity, whether we acknowledge it or not, what we most need and what we would most want if it were not for the influence of sin in our hearts. I say that because sin has a terrible way of blinding us to what we really need and what we should truly want. In addition to God's perfect knowledge about that, get this, God has unlimited resources. He's not on a budget. That means that he is not limited in any way as a gift giver. Determining the best and most perfect gift to give us, he actually would be able to accomplish it. Which means Jesus is not what we got because God didn't have the resources for something better. The Bible tells us that all things in heaven and on earth are his and he does whatever he wants. Psalm 24, 1 and 135, 6. 
When God chose to give the world His Son, the Son who came in order to give Himself up on a cross as a substitute for sinners, it truly was the perfect gift for sinful humanity. It truly was. It was and is exactly what we need and should most want. Now let's consider that idea a little bit more as we look at another passage in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Just follow along as I read it. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, weak, one translation puts it, helpless, another translation puts it, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die, hypothetically speaking. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified, made right with God by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? Through him. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his own son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have now received reconciliation. Beloved, according to God's word, sinful humanity is powerless, powerless, helpless to make themselves right with God. Helpless to make themselves right with God. And yet, that is exactly what they most need and should most want. To be reconciled to their creator. There is nothing a sinner can do or invention they could create or offering that they could make that would ever be able to fix their broken relationship with God who is absolutely holy and hates, loathes, detests sin. Sin, beloved, ruins humanity in many ways. We all have experienced that. But most significantly does it ruin them by making people enemies of God and placing them under his just condemnation and subjecting them to the eternal wrath of God that is promised to come. That is the greatest way in which sin ruins humanity. However, However, God did not leave us. He did not leave us to die in our sins and guilt and face Him one day as our judge, but rather, out of His great 
passionate, divine love. He provided us with the perfect gift. The gift of His very Son, Jesus Christ, who by dying in the sinner's place and taking the punishment, the wrath, the condemnation that the sinner deserved, He, Jesus Christ, justly and righteously canceled out the sin debt that we could never fully pay. And He made it possible, beloved, for all who trust in His sacrifice alone to be fully united with God, forgiven of all of their sin, past, present, future, and declared right with God once and for all. And this reconciled life with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ opens up the floodgates for us to His immeasurable blessings, perfect love, true peace, and ultimate joy. Beloved, can you think of a more perfect gift than that? Can you think of anything that you need more as a sinner? Or that you should want more than this incredible gift of Jesus Christ. If you're thinking rightly, the answer has to be no. If you're thinking rightly. Over the years, I have received many wonderful gifts from my friends and family. But none, none will ever come close to the ultimate perfect gift of God that He gave in sending His one and only Son to die for my sins so that I could be truly forgiven and have and possess all the blessings of eternal life. This, beloved, is yet another reason Why Jesus is undeniably, it's undeniable. He is undeniably the greatest gift of all. Now for those of us who have embraced that gift, who have experienced that gift, who know what I'm talking about, I hope this is an opportunity for you to rejoice. Truly rejoice. I mean, once you understand that you have the greatest gift of all, then you're good every Christmas. You're good. You're not waiting for happiness. You have it. You're not waiting to experience joy. You already possess it. Christmas is just a bonus. It's just some extra. It's just a wonderful time to be with your family. But you have the greatest gift of all. But there are some who, who are here, no doubt. And they have never, certainly if not here, next door to you, at your place of employment, in your neighborhood, in our state and cities, in our world, certainly people 
who have not truly embraced the gift of Jesus. I've said this before, I'll say it again. When we talk about Jesus Christ being a gift, it might be good to to think about Christmas time. You know the gifts under the tree? There it is before you. There it is. You might know about it. You might know it exists. You might know the benefits it can bring you. But beloved, if you don't ever go over and get that gift and open it up and make it yours, it won't do you any good sitting under the tree. You have to open it. And if you don't open it, let me explain it to you in biblical terms. You remain under the condemnation of God. You remain right now under His wrath. And if you die today or tomorrow, you will stand before Him and He will be your judge and you will be found guilty and you will face His wrath. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way if you would open the greatest gift of all. The Bible says it this way in Romans 10. I just want to read read it to you. I want you to listen. It says this, Paul says this in chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead... You will be saved. You will be. For with the heart one believes and is justified, made right with God. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. They won't. On that day when they stand before God, they will embrace Him as their loving Father, not as their judge. They won't be put to shame. Their sin is forgiven. Their sin has been paid for. They have been declared right with God because of Jesus Christ. There won't be any shame. For there is no distinction, it goes on, between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Beloved, if you're here and you have never received Jesus Christ seriously, truly, as your personal Lord and Savior, You never embraced Him as the greatest gift that was ever given to this planet. You've never seen Him as the one who paid the price so that you could be forgiven of every single sin you have ever committed and will ever commit. If you've never embraced Him as the one that can make you truly right with the Holy God, And open the floodgates to you of his love and his eternal life. Guaranteed. If you've never done that, do yourself the greatest favor you will ever do. And do it today. Do it right now. There's no no magic to this. There's not a special prayer that you pray to God and somehow you get saved. It's a matter of your heart, beloved. It's a matter of you crying out to the Lord and saying, Father, I've heard and I believe. 
And I want Jesus. I'm putting my trust, my hope, my faith, my confidence, not in me. That's worthless. Not in someone else. Not in a religion. Not in a church. Not in the pastor. But in Jesus. That's where I'm putting my hope and my faith. I'm putting it all there. Because it's good there. And I'm believing, Father, that I'm a sinner worthy of your wrath. And I am guilty. There's no denying it. I have sinned against you in so many ways, I cannot count them. But you have. You know them all. But Father Jesus Christ, your Son, your one and only Son, I believe you sent Him to go to that cross and lay Himself bare for me, for my sin. He was my substitute. He hung in my place so that I could be free and that I could be declared right with you, God, and that I could receive and experience eternal life. It's that simple. Right where you are. Do it before you leave. Do it before you leave. Right where you are, in your seat. There'll be a moment here in a second. Do it. If you don't do it there, do it when you get home. But don't wait, beloved. Don't wait. Why would you wait? Why would you mess around with that? Here's that gift. You know what? This is what's crazy. Kids come out on Christmas morning, right? You know this. They are awakened. They're like, you know, you know, it's Christmas morning. They want to wake you up. They want to get you out of bed. We had to make rules. Like, you know, you don't knock on our door till this time, you know. And we were, we were sensitive to them. We knew we had to get up earlier than normal that day. But my goodness, come on. They're up all night. But they are excited, right? They are jazz. You don't have to tell them to go over to the tree and open presents. Before you can get the full sentence out, okay, we're opening. <laughs> if you don't make rules, there's total chaos. Why? Oh my gosh, they are longing and looking for the joy that these, you know, temporary joy these presents will bring. Beloved, come on! Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of all. It is only craziness, because that's what sin is, that prevents a sinner from running full force to open that gift and embracing it. It is only sin that prevents them from doing that. So say no to sin. Say no. Run as hard and as fast as you can to the gift of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, oh, the greatest gift of all, truly, certainly, is the gift of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Father, you gave him in love, no obligation. You weren't forced or compelled, but willingly, Father, in a demonstration of your amazing and incredible love, you gave us your one and only Son, a priceless gift, Father. What could possibly have more value or more worth than the one and only Jesus Christ, the Lord?
your very son. And this gift you gave to us, Father, was a permanent gift. A gift that goes on and on for all those who have received it. An eternal gift. The gift of eternal life. And Father, those of us who who see it rightly know that this is absolutely the best gift. The most truly perfect gift. It is what we most need as sinful human beings. And what we should most, most desire and want. That is our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray even now, you know everyone's heart. You know what's going on deep inside their soul. You know even now what they're thinking. I don't. Father, I I pray that you would work even now to convict them, to bring them to a place in love, Father, in your love. Bring them to that place where they will see Jesus Christ as they should where they will know without a doubt that He really is the greatest gift of all, and they will be aware that they don't have that gift. They have not embraced that gift. They have not fully and completely put their trust in Jesus alone. They might be trusting in other things, but not in Jesus alone. Father, help them become so aware of that and their great need that they would run with their hearts and their minds to you and call out to you even now call out to you in their minds and in their hearts or out loud or however they feel they need to do it but do it father call out to you and call upon the lord jesus christ to be their savior to recognize that they are sinners and apart from christ there is no eternal life but only the certain fate of condemnation and your wrath. May they be drawn by your great love this morning. And Father, for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, have an intimate relationship with Him, at some point in our life, we open that gift. And when we open it, oh my, oh my, Joy overwhelming like we've never experienced and continues to work into our life. Father, may we celebrate your son today, tomorrow, on Christmas, and every day following that you give us on this earth. Until that day when we see him face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.